What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we have a tribute for the sophomore album of D'Angelo, Voodoo, released January 25th. 2000 and yeah. we missed the i guess the annual celebration of this if you will um we're a little late in that we probably should have done this a couple of years ago yeah. you know for the for the 2000 but right i think at the time we hadn't really considered doing r&b or neo soul albums yeah because um, i think the first one we did was the jill scott which we might have done that year right and uh we also missed it because it's february and this is a you know this is a january release but nevertheless uh, we've been wanting to do this album for a while. This is There's one of uh, never a bad time to celebrate this album. So. This is this is true. Here never, we are. never bad time <laughs> to celebrate this album. Never bad time to celebrate this artist. And to help us celebrate this artist, we are bringing back a special friends to the podcast. Haz Mina. Hello, hello. How you doing, baby? I'm all right. I'm all right. You doing good? Doing good. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna talk about this album and uh, just how great it is, obviously. <laughs> so uh, should we should we start off with just the uh, the where were you? Yeah, you want to start us off? Yeah, why don't you, why don't you start? <laughs> you know, I had to do a little research. So for context, when it first came out, I was obviously getting ready for college, and back then I was kind of sneaking music because my parents were like super saved and super religious mm. so I was I knew that buying an album called Voodoo probably would not be <laughs> yeah. my best interest uh-huh. so and that's it, and his I whole was. and his whole chest was out too exactly so I was you, I was sneaking sneak music that that's where I was they didn't see the video did they <laughs> nah all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah I guess the where it was I um this was the year I moved to Belgium so I was sense, yeah. I was I was in Virginia and probably uh sad because my parents probably told me like oh yeah we're going to have to move to Belgium and I already was sad and then I was probably more sad. But uh but the thing I remember the most about this particular album is that video. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Untitled comes out um prior to the album yes. dropping. Well, well prior, right? Yeah, I want to say. So it must have been like probably October or something. Okay. Of, yeah, we're we'll, we'll going to talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. you're jogging my memory. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I, I remember seeing the video, but I felt like it came out, like the timing was a little, yeah, a little mixed up for me. So yes, untitled, untitled drops, and and you know, I mean, you know, we're we're, we're teenage boys. We uh, we're we're black, so we're hyper masculine. So it was like <laughs> I couldn't like the shit, right? Like, Word. like we, okay. you know, it came out. Everybody was like, "Yeah, naked ass video, yo." You know, what I'm saying we rappers, so we rapping. Yeah, I strip you naked like the like the Nick D'Angelo in the video. You know, so I mean, I, I I never heard this shit like when it came out. The album itself, I didn't hear till way later because when Untitled came out, it made we as hyper masculine males we couldn't listen to the album because it was that was a girl album. That was that's so interesting. you know. So I mean, I I, I didn't hear the album till probably college. All right, so for me. Let's see here. Are we talking about when we saw the video or when we when the album came out? I mean, what, what, whole yeah. What, like, how did you experience this this this? Part? So the the thing for me is that I, I've never actually purchased this album. Mm-hmm. Um, one, this was one of the albums that my brother my brother bought. Okay, but you know, D'Angelo Brown Sugar is one of the albums that my mom bought me for Christmas. Okay, I think that you know the the song Brown Sugar came out. She probably saw that like, oh, he likes this song, and then. And I, you know, was not into R&B that much when I was a kid. You know, mm-hmm. TLC, some Boys to Men, even though it's a very ballad album, but whatever. Right. Um, I had it. I listened to it. And D'Angelo Brown Sugar, like these were albums that I was, these were albums that I was listening to. So I was a really big fan of D'Angelo. Of course, he comes out with uh, with the 
the um, Devil's Pie right. the Belly soundtrack right. Right. comes out with That's Left true. and Right but like I feel like this is kind of like teasing a whole things about the album but like this album like was really came out like well after the fact yeah you know what I mean they started yeah. working on this album a long time ago right. so I'm a big fan of D'Angelo but I think that for whatever reason by the time the album came my brother had it and listening to it in the car it just didn't seem like an album that I was really vibing with okay you know what I mean like um because like like you know like we talked about and we'll probably do an album for uh, or an episode about like water for chocolate mm -hmm. but this same kind of things that while, while I enjoyed that album didn't really connect with it the same way I enjoyed with other common albums and I feel like this was a project that at the time mm. I wasn't necessarily connecting to okay now what I will say about it entitled though is that I do remember that I mean that video was like genius yo low-key right. low-key I mean but you you over here got the Cheshire Grant cat grin because <laughs> you because you a woman so that look, was for you look I mean, you you know what? I'm going to say my thoughts when we actually talk about that song. But what I will say, though, is that I did not have the visceral reaction to the song that the Yinka did. Okay. Only because I'm like, I mean, I had to fucking respect it. Yeah. I mean, the, the dude was cut. He had the cornrows. Mm. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I recognize he's not a bad looking dude. And all the ladies are like, yo, D'Angelo, yeah, D'Angelo. The, the song okay. is dope. And it's so simple. And I'm like, yeah. I got nothing bad to say about it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm a fan of D'Angelo. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was. But, you know, this is one of the albums that my brother played a lot in the car. And I just didn't really connect with it the same way I connected with Brown Sugar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Brown Sugar, for me, for how I understood song structure, how yeah. I understood, like, the language of, of music, that was very, very more in line with, with what I recognized. This is a, right. very much a departure for that. Yeah. And it's not something that I could really get into until years later i mean right. like years years later so yeah, i think that's fair and just circling back i obviously didn't really connect to it until i was older mm. and probably i hate to say it but it was the era that i was in around like the open mic scene because they were right. playing music so yeah. it was, and i was outside of richmond so it was a different experience but yeah my my connection to it it was kind of all over the place. So you're, you're introduced because the Devil's Pie mm -hmm. yeah. and then and the video. And then I didn't really get into the album until later. And that is a fair yeah. point because yeah. Brown Sugar was so soul-like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this Voodoo album was very much a departure. It was very funky. It was For very sure. gritty. So kind of similar to our, our very uh, intense discussion about Erykah Badu <laughs> and the evolution of an artist. Yeah. This is, I think it's kind of similar in terms of having an expectation of what they're going to put out, right. but then it being so different. Yeah, It's so crazy too, because I feel like the evolution of an artist like Andre 3000 mm -hmm. or Prince or Erica Badu is much more subtle. I mean, to go mm. from Brown Sugar to this yeah. in one album, it's like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, Who are I mean. you? Versus versus going from Voodoo to Black Messiah, it's like, oh, okay, that's a transition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's 15 years down the line. But it's like, I feel like, I feel like it's almost like going from, you know, Raphael Zadik's instant vintage to the way I see it. Mm -hmm. But of course, when they did that, they're like, hey, this album is a departure from right. what you're used to. We're going to go do this whole throwback theme. Like they yeah, have yeah. to like, they have to like, it comes with a disclaimer. There's mm -hmm. no disclaimer for this. Right. And you know I, mean, I mean, yo, I, I'm glad you guys reminded me of Devil's Pie because yeah. Devil's Pie came out so far in advance so of this album that I, I barely even associate it with this album. <laughs> exactly. right? Like, like yeah. it's, exactly. a, it's a belly soundtrack song that I loved. And then two years go by and then this comes out, right? And yeah. so this is on here, but it's like, 
it's a belly soundtrack song for me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the the other thing um, you know, that you were talking about is kind of how far of a departure it is. Yeah. And um, I've been reading Dilla Time, that that book by Dan Charnas, which by the way, I think I told you and Panama when I bought it. Panama mm-hmm. also bought it. Um, and he and I had kind of been talking about it. And I was like, there are a few things that I want to hear about Dilla's story. And if yeah. they're not in this book, I'm gonna be disappointed. Right. This book is better than I thought it was going to be. And all of the questions that I had have already been answered in the book. And I'm halfway through the book. Um, But he talks a lot about this particular album and, you know, how essentially Dilla is also an emotional artist, right? Okay. So so what what Questlove and D'Angelo have both said about this album is that the reason why it sounds the way it does is because they were in love with Dilla and Dilla's sound. Mm. And so basically they had an early copy of Fantastic Volume 1, which mm. was never released, uh, you know, commercially, but Questlove had one. And so they said that the way they created this album was they would all come in the studio and then they would say, which muse do we want to go for? Prince or Dilla? And they so they would both. play. They would play either a Prince album or gotcha. a Dilla album. Gotcha. Sit around and then just start jamming, just gigging. And yeah. then, and then when they heard something that they liked, they would capture it. They did that for three years. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, yeah. it's, it it makes sense why it's such a departure, right? Because it's two years later that then then because Brown Sugar's ninety five, yeah. right? Two years later they start working on this album. And then they're just like, we hate everything. You know, things are super glossy and we don't don't want none of the glossy stuff, right? I've got some quotes. So then they're (laughs) listening to these artists, particularly uh, um, Jay Dilla, who has this like crazy sloppy drum swing. So Questlove has to learn how to play that drum swing, which is a drum machine thing on actual drums. Right. And that takes a while. So, I mean, it's, it's a departure, but it's a departure that makes sense when it you does. hear it from that perspective. It does. And and in the book, he also talks about how when 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 Voodoo came out and Jay Dilla got it and he wasn't in the liner notes as a mm. as a producer and how he felt about it. Because Ooh. he said he felt like they jacked his whole shit wow. and they didn't credit him for it. That's tough. So yeah, it's it's really interesting though. But but you can hear Jay Dilla's handprints all over this. Nah, I can hear that. Yeah. Hear that. So should we get into uh critical reception? Let's. Yeah, I mean is this album is like universally acclaimed, lauded, universally loved. It's one of those albums, and and I don't remember what album or what uh, album we were talking about when when Outlaw said this, but like, it's like a pedigree album. It's like an album that you go into people's house and they have voodoo displayed so that you know they have taste, right? Yeah. Like it's like you see this album everywhere. Like you go to somebody else, go get the vinyl. To be honest, <laughs> right? It's like yeah, a, I, I was thinking the same I after listening. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's an album that was like ubiquitous. I mean, it was everywhere that you would see, you know. And and I, I think that was another thing that haunted D'Angelo as a person, mm. right? Because it's like his, you know, rippling pectorals and in 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 freaking, you know, abs are in everybody's house. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I don't have those abs anymore. Are mm-hmm. people still gonna love me? Listen, you know what I'm saying? Uh, for the record, I love Husky D'Angelo as well. <laughs> I still got love. There you go. You can come back out, D. You, you, you don't got to have the abs, man. Yeah, the other thing, too, <laughs> is that while it did have the commercial su- success uh, with the video, particularly with Untitled, so, yeah. you know, it got into everybody's purview. Mm-hmm. But I think the it was also very critically acclaimed for, like, actual music heads. Yeah, for um, sure. From, from musicians and right. from people who just, like, appreciated music. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that praise has actually continued to grow throughout the years. For sure. But, you know, this is an album, it's weird. It's like, I didn't necessarily understand 
why even my brother liked it so much in in high school. Really? Um, well, be- it's 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 crazy because like I'm I'm the one with the podcast here, mm-hmm. right? I'm the quote unquote like music expert here, right? Okay. And, and that's like a little inside joke because it's because it's not true. <laughs> I'm not a music expert, but like again, like my brother is like way ahead of his time uh-huh. in terms of at least at least for not way ahead of his time, but like I don't know, my, my brother probably just doesn't really. I don't know if he appreciates just how good of an ear he had in high school. Maybe he mm-hmm. doesn't. I have no idea. But like, he he would play this album all the time, and I don't know. None of none of my other friends, none of my other peer group were really really vibing with this though at the time though. Mm-hmm. This is something where I think that if we're talking about critical reception, this is more like when you get older and then you get out of high school and then you start to meet like your your actual contemporaries. Mm-hmm. You guys are all about the same shit, all about the same black shit, all about the same music shit, whatever. Right. Like. Then everybody starts to like, oh, well, yeah, you know, D'Angelo's voodoo, of course. Right. You know what I mean? But like in high school, when folks are listening to whatever is hot, the black hot, the black hot, <laughs> ah, ah, you know, yeah. Once you get past D'Angelo's abs, it's like, well, we're going on to the next shit. Mm-hmm. You know, we're probably on some R. Kelly shit right now. Yo, another thing about about critical reception, our favorite, our favorite critic um, is actually on record. Robert Criscow. What did he say? What did he have um, to say? Had some critical things to say about this did album. Did he not? And almost everybody did else reviewed this as a, as a masterpiece. What did he have to say? He says, hold on, let me see if I can find the quote. Uh, okay, so it's a deeply brave and pretentious record. It is but then, but then I, I don't, I don't see here at least in the wiki. But the I, I read his actual review, and mm-hmm. he, he basically said that like, that like essentially he tried to experiment and maybe didn't necessarily stick the landing. Was what yeah. was was his his. Uh, I love how Robert Christgau just continues to show his ass, and I don't understand how he was employed for so long. <laughs> like he. He and it is funny the wiki Wikipedia. Yo, we should do an episode just on Robert Criscow, to be honest. Yeah. Like he's all over wiki whenever we're yeah. look, talking about reviews of hip hop albums and whatnot. And uh-huh. this, we just we look at this stuff like twenty years later, and for the most part, he's just wrong most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time, he's just wrong. And it's funny because you know I, I told you I'm a, I'm a big Questlove fan, and yeah. I've read most of Questlove's books. And in one of his books, he well he talks about Robert Criscow a lot in his books Doesn't. because because he similar to probably all of us was like a, a liner note head. So yeah. he would get these magazines, and I, I guess Robert Criscow wrote for the Village Voice. Yeah. So he would get the Village Voice to to read the the like about all the albums that he liked and mm-hmm. and you know robert criscow came up in a lot of those those things so it's interesting because i we feel like he gets it wrong a lot but at the same time imagine being a kid and like having your view shaped by somebody who's supposed to be an expert and that and that's what their reviews are mm-hmm. uh Haas, do you have anything to add to the critical reception um i was just gonna say that you know when you reference you know our our classmates at the mm-hmm. time not really being into it if you think about it it was like Aaliyah wow, David yeah, Hollis yeah, like the yeah, vibe yeah. was completely different and mm-hmm. even though Brown Sugar kind of still was different when it came out like Voodoo mm-hmm. sonically is just a different feeling it's a different yeah. hell even Devil's Pie was perfect for Belly right. but anything outside of that you're not really like really checking for that type of vibe but yeah. for it to be a sophomore album and you know that there's technically that sophomore album curse mm-hmm. this joint was it was yeah. just chef's kiss Perfect. I feel like it's, it's easy though to, to hit you to stick the landing on your on your sophomore when it comes out five years after your album <laughs> Fair. And, your, and your third album Fair. when it comes out 15 years that's later. true that's true <laughs> but also like when we keep talking about how so many elements of this particular project jumped 
time and just being an artist and taking what five or whatever years to create it mm -hmm. still having videos and singles being released and then also finally releasing the project the overall experience is just i don't know i feel like you kind of have to grow with it so yeah. i think that it does kind of shape how you you know receive the music yeah that makes sense so uh get into the uh overarching highlights man there's too many of them who, well, who wants to start why don't you start this off man I so you know my biggest highlight is just the musicians, all of them, okay. everybody. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna name some names here. Uh, Pino Palladino, you know he's the bass player, yeah. and he was amazing. The bass yeah. is amazing on here. Roy Hargrove on yeah. the horns, yeah, amazing horns. And you know my guy, I gotta I gotta call him out. Rafael Sadiq, mm. I love you, bro. This is he's he's my favorite. So I you already knew I was gonna love what he had to do, but um. Man, he you know he plays a couple different instruments on here, but but mostly guitar. Um, Untitled, his mm -hmm. you know he co-produced Untitled, and that is an amazing piece of music. Um, he he played on the line, you know what I'm saying. So he he did the Rafael Sadiq thing, like he 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 played it back and give you exactly what you need to make a classic masterpiece. Russell Elevato, he's you know one of my saying? highlights. As yeah, well. he's he might be the highlight of highlights. Yeah, he's 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 he was my first overarching highlight. This Russell album is pristine. Like yeah. the way it was mixed is pristine. Yeah. And you know, I, one of the stories that I read was uh, about Untitled. You yeah. know how Untitled it just cuts off like yeah. at the end of the song. Yeah. And so they were recording the tape because they wanted to have an analog sound. Mm -hmm. And the tape ended. Tape ended. And then and then D'Angelo's like, all right, we gotta do it again. And he's like, no, keep it like that. Yeah. And D'Angelo's like, why? Right. And they're like, so they quoted some album at Beatles. Okay, as a Beatles album. Yeah, yeah. it was uh I want you, I want you so bad. I think it's on the uh, the Abbey Road album, right? Okay, and yeah, it just, yeah, it just yeah. cuts Where off. It just at cuts the off. End. And then and they played it for him and yeah. he's like, Oh, you're right. That that yeah, is dope. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. uh I, the other thing too is that D'Angelo's like, Well, should we cause he was gonna keep going. He's mm -hmm. like, Well, should we fade it out? And Russell was like, Nah, don't do it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's a perfect choice. It is. So I mean it just is. His vision and and being able to I, I can't imagine being an engineer for D'Angelo. No yeah. diss to D'Angelo, but he's just so emotional. <laughs> it's just like you know what? I don't feel like recording today. You know what? Let's do this. He and talks you, about that too. And you have to you have to just like manage that, and then you have to manage all of these emotional ass Aquariuses that are all working on their albums together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing about Russell Elevato, though. Um, this guy, when you talk about like, oh, what do you do for a living? He's like, I mean, I don't know. I just live like I'm, I'm living my passion. So it's not like wow. a job, right? Wow. So he got into engineering, audio engineering, like as like kind of like an internship. Okay. Like he loves this. Yeah. And so D'Angelo, like, like all all the pretentious shit that is particularly I talk about on this on this podcast, like D'Angelo and Russell Elevato, like they're here for it. Yeah. They feel the exact same way. Right. Look, look, look. Let me let me let me read you. Let me read you this quote. <laughs> he now, got quotes. It's well, this is actually from D'Angelo. Okay. Right. But uh, in an interview for Jet, D'Angelo says the term R and B doesn't mean what it used to mean. R and B is pop. That's the new word for R and B. Um, he also says that contemporary R and B is a joke. And he said, the funny thing about it is that people making this shit are dead serious about the stuff they're making. <laughs> it's sad. They turn black music into club music, right? This is D'Angelo. Russell Elevato is here for this shit too. Like when yeah, you hear him talking yeah. about that, he's like, it's just, it's just, he's like, he understands there's like a place for this, but he's like, right. no, like why, why would you do less when you can do like greatness? Like, I don't, right, right. like, why is this even a controversy? Like, why is this yeah. a thing? And so it's like. Yeah, he he's here for all of that frustration stuff because like yeah. I know at the end of the day we're going to turn out like a brilliant piece of music. Right. And additionally, his background was in rock. 
Oh, was and it? So oh, yeah, okay. and so he yeah, kind of he, he, he put he was, D'Angelo onto Jimi Hendrix, right? And which so is he crazy. got he was tapped to do the album. He was like, you know, my my, my shit's kind of rock, and so they put their heads together to give us the musicality that lives here. And yeah. I, I just feel like that's like a highlight of highlights. Yeah, he's he was um, he was number one on my list for overarching highlights. Was Russell Alabado. I'm glad we got to it. Yeah, uh, you know, Jay Dilla, the Muse. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We we gotta get we gotta give him a highlight, even if he's not actually featured here. And I think he did do a track for this joint and it just didn't appear on here. Okay. Um, and then um James Poiser, okay. Keys, always yeah. Charlie Hunter, yeah, Charlie bass Hunter. and guitar, and that eight string yeah, joint yeah, we that you're talk talking about. That. about yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then last but not least, D'Angelo. D'Angelo. I mean, yes, yes, yeah, yes. like like amazing. I I on 90% of these tracks, I'm like, what the fuck is this nigga saying? I have Yo. no Thank idea you. what you are saying, Thank sir. You. However, I feel it. It's great. <laughs> I almost feel like that's on purpose. Yeah. yeah. I think it's on purpose. So, so Questlove uh, was saying that they called D'Angelo's phrasing Debonics. Okay. And they were saying that nobody understands what he's all saying. All right, all right, cool. I'm glad, I'm that's glad perfect. it's a thing. Cause, <laughs> yeah, but right. they were like, yo, but but his phrasing is so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's breathy. Um, it's mixed perfectly. The layers and vocal arrangements are perfect. And yeah. so it's just like, I don't understand what you're saying, but I feel you, gotcha. you know? So. Yeah. So I would say um, the musicality is always, you know, key for me. And mm. it was very, it was beautiful on this. The bass line. Yeah. Throughout the whole the whole project, you know, just the baseline yeah. was just it was yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, I have too many tracks to be like, oh, I like this, yeah, this, and this, which I want. Yeah. yeah. Um, but talking about how he the the I guess the articulation or the lack thereof, <laughs> I don't think I realized that. I thought it was it was pretty prevalent on his last project, but this kind of feels time. like the intro to right. that. Because yeah. if you think about the first project, he was saying his words, you could oh, sing yeah. along you with could it. Hear everything. But yeah. this one. I is my hearing okay? <laughs> I, I was a little concerned. And then I was like, oh, he kind of wants you to like vibe, but I don't want you to talk with me. I just want you to like kind of listen, right, yeah, you know? Right. So those are my highlights. Okay. So the <laughs> only ar- overarching highlight uh, I will say here that was not mentioned previously is Virgin, Virgin Records for budgeting oh, this for, album. Yeah, for letting this nigga fuck off for three years. Yo, so <laughs> this, this, like you can't make this album today. Hell no. uh, you can't make Hell it no. a- unless you have the means, the independent means to make this album. You yeah. cannot make this album today. Yeah. Um for sure. Russell Alavado. Again, so basically, um, I'm getting all this from things I read, but also obviously the uh his interview, his sit-down interview with Red Bull Academy, Music Academy. Okay, I, I don't think I saw oh, it. You should watch it. Okay. You should watch it. Because like the first half of it, he's just talking about DJ. Is, is it Russell Alavado's? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's a guest. He's okay. a guest. And so essentially, yeah, like they start they start working on this project in, in 1998 and they go to Electric Ladyland Studios because um, uh, Russell Russell had worked with him on on some tracks for Brown Sugar. OK, but um, they actually had wanted to do the like once he started working with Russell, he wanted to do the entire album that way. But it was like they had already had everything mixed, right. ready to go to production. So it's like, all right, so it's too late. Uh-huh. So then, um, you know, uh, D'Angelo goes through his whole little uh, writing block phrase. And right. He's, he's covering a whole bunch of music. Yep. And he comes back into the scene 1998 because he's living life. He's just like letting go. He's living life. So right. he's ready to record again. Right. And so Russell puts him on to Jimi Hendrix, which is mm-hmm. crazy. I understand D'Angelo was like really young. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's like 24 when this album comes out. He's like mm-hmm. 20 when Brown Sugar comes out. It's, it's sometime around then, right? Okay. So he's really young. So maybe he's not on the Jimi Hendrix. I just assumed that all of those musicians like knew all those musicians. Yeah. But so Russell's putting him on the Jimi Hendrix. 
Um, so then they want to go to, to, to and he Lady. tells them about Electric Ladyland Studios. And Russell's like, oh, yeah, do you want to go there? He's like, wait, what? It's still around? Right. Like, I can go there? Like, right. yes, it's still around. They're still making music here. So right? for the listeners, this was Jimi Hendrix studio and then yeah. be, became open to. And it's where they recorded Mama's Gun, yes. Like Water for Chocolate, and this album at the same time. Yep. Yes, right. yes, yes. And so, so, you know, Virgin Records is paying for this whole studio time, but they're not mm -hmm. really checking. Yeah. And it's like, it's like <laughs> 1999. Uh -huh. They've got like most of the album done. It's like a million and a half budget into this already. And then D'Angelo's like, yo, I want to record a new track. And Russell's like, what are you talking about? Like, right. I think the budget for this album ended up being like over two million. Something, yeah, something they, crazy. They, they got to two million at, I think, like you said, around the time you're saying, yeah, and then they they went like probably a million over. It's 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 nuts. But like, <laughs> here's the: I don't know if Virgin, I don't know how well they profited from this album. I don't. They had like, to have. come on. Well, but I don't. It didn't. It didn't sell over two million, did it? You sure? How much did it actually sell? That's what are those certifications? I, I don't know, man. Because I'm looking at the I'm looking at the certifications, and it says okay. like. It went it went gold in in Canada, UK, and it went platinum in the US. So it didn't sell mm, a whole okay. lot. Yeah, so it just did about right? a million. Yeah. It's not like it didn't do Whitney Houston numbers. You know what I mean? It didn't do it didn't Nobody do uh miseducation numbers. numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Um but yet that but video still, probably did Whitney Houston. Uh, that's true. Numbers. <laughs> that's true. But the fact that they budgeted this project and mm -hmm. blessed the world with a gym. With a with a, with the gem with this artistic yeah. masterpiece, yeah, I have to give them props for sure. You and, know what I mean. And additionally, right, um, the the labels didn't necessarily play nice at the time, right? They hadn't done the thing where they all they all they bought all bought it and they're all under Universal yeah. now, right? So, so some of the other things I was reading was that like, so Common I think was on MCA at the time, or I forget where he, he was. was on. He was on a different label. So the the three of them. Erica, Common, and and D'Angelo are recording in the same area, and they're yeah. they're popping into each yeah. other's studios, yeah. and, being and, inspired by each other. And Russell Russell is the the engineer for all of these right projects. for all of yeah. them. So they actually traded um some some songs. So they did. so yeah. the um which which song was it? Ghetto Heaven, which appears on on uh, Common's like album, was for for Voodoo. Was it? And Chicken Grease was yeah. for like water for chocolate yeah, they wrote traded those and so M mca paid for for a, a song that was not supposed to be all, you know all, yeah and, and vice versa virgin huh. paid for ghetto heaven so interesting yeah they had like like you say like there's just there's no way any of this stuff could have occurred like this kind no, of cross-pollination letting letting your amazing artists who i mean brown sugar is a great album but yeah. it wasn't like you said it didn't do whitney houston numbers it didn't do fuck off on our budget for three years yeah. numbers yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah, yeah. this dude he he you know he's like yeah i'm just i'm just not inspired just can't write anything all right i'm, I'm gonna just i'm gonna try to do some covers until something pops up yeah. and then like a year and a half later it's like Okay, I just had a son. That's a life experience. Yeah. I can start to to make my album. There's no way that would that would have rocked. Yeah. So so yeah. Uh, do we have any overarching lowlights? Man, I do. I I you, have. Do you go ahead. Uh, the overarching lowlight I have is what Haas mentioned earlier about the voice. Mm. Sometimes okay. it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And on the song, like one of my favorite songs on the album, "The Roots," I really would like to hear more specifically what he's talking about hmm. right like on songs like devil's pie it works it really on works. songs like the line mm -hmm. it works mm -hmm. play but, it play but, it works but the funny thing is the two songs that you mentioned are the ones where he articulates the most well, <laughs> devil's no, pie but, i can understand exactly what he's saying put but, it on the no, line but, but i can, I can he, hear him he he still <laughs> he still 
maybe it's because I'm so familiar with Devil's Pie, uh-huh. but like he's still kind of like. Not mumbles, whatever it is he, he's doing. <laughs> debonics. He, his debonics is still prevalent <laughs> on songs like that. It's prevalent yeah. on Play a Play, which I think works. Yeah. Um, on Chicken Grease, which is actually kind of a low light, but um oh, I, wow. I that it doesn't really work there. Mm-hmm. Um on One More Again is is good. Yeah. One more again is perfect. Mm-hmm. But on but on the root, which is such a beautiful piece of music, I yeah. just really and I when I when I read the lyrics, I'm like, holy shit, like these are powerful <laughs> lyrics. Here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I I shouldn't have to read the lyrics to know what you're saying. That's interesting. <laughs> That's my main overarching low light. The other one is the sequencing with Chicken Grease. Where it comes in the album after after the line, which I think is an interesting song. Send it on. Then to go to Send It On, right. which is a good song, but not particularly interesting. You know, kind of like kind of song. Kind of a palate cleanser, kind yeah. of. Yeah. But like then to go from that to Chicken Grease is like all right, like Chicken yeah. Grease sounds really good as a sound bed, but like yeah. as an entire song, I'm like, at, to go from the line to send it on to Chicken Grease, that sequencing is like, it's just a lull for me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's that, and that's it. Yeah. Um, I guess the low life for me is probably left and right, to be honest. Okay. I can see and that. I'm, and I'm going to be honest. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. I, you know, I'm I didn't know if that was that like a hot take or whatever, but yeah, no, I'm with you if you just me. think about. First of all, the musicality, but then like the content, he has a, a he does a great job of like talking about different subject, you know, like it feels deep. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and it, you know, even if he's getting at somebody, it's still like it's like, OK, talk to me nice. Mm-hmm. But something about uh, Method Man and Red Man's feature, like the way that they were right. talking. Right. And obviously I'm trying to contextualize it and, and especially think from the time. Man. Yeah. That is okay, but like, Meth is like, eh. Don't you ever in your life refer to me as filet fish <laughs> and think we about to get something popping. Like, that's just not, that's not the vibe, right, uh, you, for you, me. You acting like you ain't been lusting over Meth yeah. these days, right? Like all these girls, <laughs> these workout Listen, videos. I can look at him all day, but you're not going to refer to me as filet fish. No, I feel you. But um, that was probably it. I, for the most part, the sequencing was cool. I do agree yeah. about uh, Chicken Grease. It, it feels like the energy is a lot different um, compared to the songs that it's, that's yeah. before and after. It. Um, I just like the placement of Chicken Grease. Yeah. My least favorite songs are Left and Right and Chicken Grease. Yeah. I think it's interesting that um, so supposedly the original version of Left and Right featured Q-tip, Q-tip. Yeah. and they didn't like his verse, so they yeah. took his verse off and they put Meth and Red on. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think it was, the, it, was a, it was a strategic reason why they did yeah. that. Yeah, because they were because they were popping. Yeah, but 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 the the atmosphere that is created by Voodoo, there's a certain maturity to it yeah. mm-hmm. there's a certain i don't know sensuality to it and so like meth and red are so like cheech and chong like yeah. ha ha i'm gonna say yeah. this sophomoric shit and it yeah it almost devalues what the rest of the album is that's doing. fair but even yeah. compared to what d'angelo is singing in yeah. that same song compared to like what they're rapping and it's yeah. like what, what, what's happening and I know that's your man, you know, oh, meth. I, I love yeah. meth too. I just, I don't think that that I love, I love really too. worked here. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, all right. So the way I think we should do this is we should just go track for track yeah. and say whether or not it's a highlight or low light or a meh light, okay. if you will. So let's just start off with the play a play. A play a play. I got it as a highlight, but okay. like a like a retroactive highlight. When I okay. first listened to this album, this song was fine. But then this time around, I was like, yo, this shit is actually fire. <laughs> so what do you think? Yeah, I kind of have the same feeling about that particular track. Uh, what do you think? It's, it's not a highlight for me. 
Okay. Um, and it definitely wasn't at the back then. I did not like the song. Okay. Now it's a song that I'm like, oh, it's a good song. It's not a highlight. Now, when mm-hmm. I say that though, I'm also talking about like we're talking about something that is a masterpiece. Right. And I'm not saying this is a masterpiece of something I understood back then. I understand it's a masterpiece now. Right. So now that so if we're if that's like the foundation, if that's the base, mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay. What is a highlight on this masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, play a play is not one of those highlights. Yeah. I do think it's cool though that when the song was recorded and written, he it was during the, the Space Jam soundtrack. Right, it was supposed yeah. to be on the Space Jam soundtrack, and they they declined it. Yeah, so they did this other song, but like yeah. he, that's where all those basketball references right. are coming the, from. I'm gonna shoot my shot. Shoot and my all shot. That. Yeah. Here's the question though: Does shoot your shot was that always in like common vernacular? I don't think so. There's no way shoot your shot. I don't think it, don't think it meant like shoot my shot in terms of like a girl. It, it was like shoot your shot in terms of like I'm gonna try. Try, to do yeah. yeah. So it's not it's not a highlight for me, but um, it's definitely a good vibe. It's definitely something I understand now more. And like I said, yeah. his debonics I think worked on a song like Play a Player for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so next we're gonna get into um, Devil's Pie. Devil's Pie is definitely a highlight. It's just. I don't even. I don't even want to. It's it's still. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, and and an overarching highlight that I missed is just the transitions. Yeah. Mm. The fact that um uh, a DJ premiere beat that has no live instrumentation can fit on an album that it does is all live instrumentation. They said that there's, there's none. Are you sh- so my that, so my understanding that bass is sampled. It is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so that was not the, my understanding. My understanding yeah. was is that uh premiere um sample the record and then they go back over and and nah, so everything he sampled is, that baseline and i i, I went okay. and I, w- I went and listened to the song that he that he, sam- he dropped it, it from it yeah and it is and it's it's amazing <laughs> but uh but yeah it's a, the the fact that you can have a record that's a the way dj premiere assembles tracks and put it in the middle of uh, an album with with this much funk and soul in it mm-hmm. and it works is a highlight. Shout out to Cannabis for not taking this beat. Yeah, thank you, Cannabis. <laughs> because Cannabis <laughs> has proven one thing, which is that as dope as the lyricist as he is, he is a horrible songwriter. And oh, he would have no. taken this amazing premiere beat and cannabis done something. Whatever. He would have taken this amazing premiere, le- premiere beat yeah. and not given us what, what D'Angelo gave us. I mean, like, yeah. yo, here's the other thing, too. Like, even what he's talking about, like, the lyrics of the song are so dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh no, this is this to me, this is the best message on the album. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's absolutely so dope. Yeah. Um the way they transition with that sound bag coming from yeah. player player. Yeah. Uh and with the scratch yeah. and then, it's oh. perfect. And 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 actually, if I do, did have a low light, it would be I hate albums that the singles are my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. And and so even though I love this album and it is genius. I think one of the reasons I never really engaged with it was because I had already heard Devil's Pie yes. and I'd already heard Untitled. I agree. I so agree. now I go back and Fair. I'm like, okay, I like these other songs, mm-hmm. but they're not as good as the two songs that I love. I think that's the thing for me too, right? Is that yeah. like Devil's Pie comes out in 1998. Right. Uh, I think Left and Right, which I liked at the time, came out in like 1999. And then this album's coming out like in 2000. Mm-hmm. It has the songs I like on it. I wasn't a huge fan of Untitled. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, I respected the video, but I wasn't a huge fan of it. And I like the rest of it, I'm like, this isn't for me. So that's why right, I didn't, I didn't right, get into right. the album. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I mean, Devil's Pie Devil's though, is so still, so it's still just fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so left and right, this is not a highlight for y'all. Nope. It's a low light for y'all. It feels kind of forced to me. I'm not gonna say too much. It is, I think it is. I think that's fair. Sonically, yeah. it sounds forced. It is. So I actually happen to. It's it's weird. Like when the song came out, 
I liked it. And then as the years went by, I didn't like it. Okay. But then on these like the, this revisit, I'm like, actually, I do kind of like this song because I really do like the vibe to it. Yeah, I feel like if you took their verses off, it would be a mm-hmm. better song. So apparently, it's 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 weird because, you know, I understand why they, they got Red and Meth. It mm-hmm. made it made so much sense, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they wanted a popular MC who could have the street cred but could also kind of like appeal to the ladies. They wanted to put them on the track, mm-hmm. but then when they heard the verse. Like they said, a cut like a knife. D'Angelo was kind of turned off by Method Man's misogyny, and they like they decided to really? scrap it. And so, but I'm like, oh, I never okay, heard that. but uh, but I, I'm this is this is from Questlove, okay, right? And so I'm like, wait, but they're on the album, so right. I, that's so that's so weird to me. By the way, by the way, Questlove has so many things to say about this album. Yeah, it's it's crazy how yeah. how invested he is in this album. I which, think this is his crown jewel, which it's so interesting, right? Because we talked about this. We talked about this a long time ago when we talked about how I said that the Roots were the the most underperforming group of all time, given their talent, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. No, 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 no. They're, they're amazing yeah. musicians, we, but we, they're, we, 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 they're, they're, their products, <laughs> their product does not match the level of talent that Black Thought and Questlove have, in my opinion. It doesn't, uh-huh. right? Not saying they haven't had great music, but we, but we talked about it then, right? About how you were saying that, like, you know, DeAnge, uh, Questlove was kind of distracted with things fall apart right. which came was, out a full two years earlier because he was doing all these other things right because yeah. he's doing all these other things right. um but um but he had he just had so much to say about this but yeah mm-hmm. I, I was reading that quote about about this song and i was like wait so did they go with q-tip because he's not on this album they went mm-hmm. with red and meth exactly it's not a low light for me because i i do like the vibe although i will say that it it does kind of feel out of place given the rest of the album if yeah if their appearances aren't on here I think that I think it's even more cool. He said than it already is. That's what I'm saying. I agree. But yeah. they they wanted a hit. They wanted something they could bang in the club. Well, was but it, it wasn't really a hit though. Exactly. See, like even Devil's Pie, it has it has that obviously that hip hop feel, right. right? But it's still very D'Angelo mm-hmm. and perfectly scored for a belly. Like it's just a dope song. Yeah. Whereas left and right minus those features, like you said, it does fit very well. But I yeah, I just feel like Devil's Pie probably could have solve that they that should particular. have they should have released a red and meth version as a single mm. but just not had them feature on the album uh, that's what they should I like have done. That. that i agree with that yeah. I, so you know you know how i am with my runs yeah and so the reason i don't like this song is because it interrupts a run for me yeah. so play play is fire devil's pie is fire the line is fire line send it is on fire, is fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so it's like if now i have to like stop and skip to go you know to get my yeah. run and i don't like that that's why. well let's go into the line then uh is a highlight for y'all for yes, sure. definitely. For sure. It's um, it's not it's not one of my highlights, but this okay. is also a really really good song. This is one of my favorite, my brother's favorite songs on the album. Um, I, you know, it's it's interesting. I really like I really like the lyrics mm-hmm. on this yeah. on this song yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, like, cause that's something I believe in. It's like, no, like hold your hold your line, have a principle. Right. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on this. I'm gonna die on on this hill if I need to. Yeah. Right. Like I'm gonna pull the trigger. Like. It's just a really good message to the song. My favorite thing about this, about the lyrics to the song is the nigga comes on the joint like, let me tell you about it. I'm like, oh shit, he's about to tell me something. <laughs> and then I understand maybe every eighth word <laughs> of what he's telling me about it. But but at the same time, I get the general sentiment of what he's trying right, to tell right. me. But I'm like, man, I thought he was really going to tell me about it. Uh, but yeah, love, 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 love this record. Thank you. Um, and and this has Rafael Sadiq on guitar and anything that has Rafael Sadiq doing anything it's I like love. Like my it. favorite era of Rafael though. Like <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. He's so good on this. 
So, uh, yeah. So I, I, I love that. I love the guitar work. I love, uh, like you said, the messaging, what he's talking about. Um, even the, the like, the, I, I felt like I had to read into where he said, like, um, I'm going to pull the trigger or whatever. I'm like, wait, what is what exactly is he is he talking about? You know what I mean? But I think he's just like you said, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns. Like, that's what the, the joint is about. So. Haz, do you have any thoughts on the line? Uh, I mean, I hate to say it again, but I echo the sentiment. The the even though we don't really understand what he's saying, like the little bits that you catch, right? It's just perfectly executed, yeah. and it just feels good. But then to it's nice to like feel a track and then go back and be like, oh, you know what you're talking about too. Like I agree, right, you know right, what I mean? Right. So yeah, beautifully done. Yeah, and I like that it's it's it you know it sits towards the middle. Cause like I just feel mm -hmm. like I wish it was dead in the middle of the album. Mm -hmm. Cause it'd be like, yo, there's just he's just drawing a line in the middle yeah. of the album. But yeah, I love this. One. And I think it was the bass line on this too was doing something for me. Yeah, it's just it's just very it's kind of like a pulsing. I wonder repetitive. if this this bass line was was one of the ones played by uh by the 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 eight eight string man. I, mean, I don't Charlie I don't Hunter. believe it was. Oh, okay, I don't believe it was. I'm about to look it up. It looks like um oh snap. It looks like uh, Rafael Sadiq played the guitar and all the other instruments were played by D'Angelo. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. nice. So, yeah, he did his thing. So now we get into uh, track five, Send It On, and Yinka, this is a highlight for you? For sure. Haz, you want to talk about it first? It's, it's beautiful. You know, what's interesting is, again, I think I was actually introduced to the video, which was just this like highlight. I didn't, it's I just tour, it. just tour uh, um, okay. shots oh, of okay. him like singing, performing yeah. a different... And th those types of videos are very... Um, I don't know, it's almost like a day in the life kind of mm -hmm. like a journal entry. Okay. And if you pair that with like just how beautiful the song is, it's just very nice to kind of see. And then you see yeah. some high energy moments, but it's kind of slowed down right. by the visuals. So, yeah. yeah. And supposedly it was inspired by his, his son. Right. So yes. he and Angie Stone mm -hmm. had their had their their son. And then, you know, this was kind of his musical inspiration to, to write the joint. So, I mean, I, I love that it, even as just a, as background. So, so this song is not one of my highlights, but again, it's a really good song. Shout out to Roy Har Hargrove on the yeah. horns. Ooh, so um, I also want to shout out one of our one of our listeners, uh, Christopher Henry, mm -hmm. at Heezy the Great. We, uh, you know, we we asked our, our our followers if you guys had any thoughts about the album. So he wrote in that "Send It On" is the perfect song, so perfect that even at around six minutes long, it seems too short. Mm. Yeah, I've never not listened to it at least twice in a row. Also, shout out to Angie uh, Angie Stone's pen on the song because yeah. I believe that she yeah, helped write it. Sure. So yeah, so uh, thank dope. you for that uh, feedback. And again, uh, when we do these episodes in the future, if you guys have any thoughts, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll record an album, and you can contribute if you are a follower. And he of the makes podcast. a great point, right? The, you know, Angie Stone's pen is on this. I, I don't think they were together anymore romantically when yeah. they worked on this. But like the fact that they have that like that artistic chemistry mm -hmm. to be able to sit down and write something so beautiful even when things ain't beautiful between the two of them is amazing because i yeah. don't think the chemistry goes away now your yeah. ability to yeah, act yeah. you know right, the kind of maneuver right. around that might be different but yeah. the chemistry probably gets stronger even if if it, if it breaks if the bond breaks they're oh. like they're like uh i mean even though angie stone doesn't have as much output like yeah. They're, they could have been like a like a power like they a, could have mm -hmm. the neo soul and and that was another mm -hmm. thing they talked about on the on in the Dilla book the the neo soul term yeah. so supposedly the term neo soul because I know I think both of y'all don't like the term but uh the term neo soul was actually coined by Kadar Massenberg who is a a, a, la a label guy now but back then he was the manager for um 
for uh, D'Angelo and for Erica Badu. Mm. And he wanted to create a term for their music so, to sell it to like labels and yeah. stuff like that. Mm. So he came up with Neo Soul because he was like, you know, they're trying to bring soul back, but they're doing it in a new way. I'm gonna yeah. call it Neo Soul. And it's hilarious because it's like, they're both trying to get out from under this damn term yeah. now. Yeah, yeah that kind of sucks because the term, it makes sense. And yeah. for somebody who has, you, if you do have to sell something, you have mm -hmm. to label it, you have to create things in a way where people receive it. Mm -hmm. So he understood that from an industry perspective, right, right. but the creators, of course, are right. gonna have something like, to say I'm about like that. This. So I'm not surprised that they hate it. Yeah. Cause this is this is uh, I think it was Questlove that he was saying that they were saying like this album is like the crown jewel of Neo Soul like it sits in the middle of Neo Soul but this is not a Neo Soul album like there's there's records on here that are like yeah. are like Spanish you yeah. know uh, influence yeah. like kind of like a samba -y type of feel yeah. there's bluesy records on here there's all kinds of different genres going on no I agree so anyway um, yeah you know it's it's interesting too because sometimes. Um, Someone did a retrospect, but basically they were saying that like Neo Soul actually dates back to like the early '90s. Different groups doing these things, like even like yeah. Maxwell could be considered like yeah. Neo Soul. Yeah, right? someone was saying that Michelle Indigachello Indi Indi was 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 one of the first actual Neo Soul artists, uh, like you're saying, in yeah. like the early to mid '90s. Yeah, but Man. it's it's weird though because like D'Angelo would probably scoff at that whole thing. It's like, look, we're just making good music, right? Exactly. And then they they take our music and they they brand a a, a term to it, right? And then they start making music to fit the term yeah and that's and that's, that's the music that i was really fucking right. yeah yeah no nah, that's true and and yeah. and i mean you know if you if you 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 gotta read dilla's book by yeah, the way okay. but uh the, this dilla book but like if you look at the lineage of what they were doing it's mm -hmm. absolutely true and and dilla was very upset about it and yeah. like you said d'angelo was also upset mm -hmm. about it because like you're saying like it becomes a sound and then the industry is like, oh, we can mass produce this sound. And yeah. then they start to make things that imitate the sound. Yeah. And one of the things that was said in the Dilla book that I also thought was interesting was um, apparently Dilla was heated when uh, when Music Soul Child came out. Like that that first that. music album that got really big because mm, mm, he was mm, like, mm, mm, he, right. Mm, he was like, they took mm, my whole mm, shit. And then some other producers not involving me put this out and it becomes this huge success. Yikes. Yeah. And it's like. I'm nowhere credited. This is, you know, but this is my shit. And so that's just so interesting. Tough, yeah. Uh, so now we get into Chicken Grease. And I think we all can, we can all agree that this is not a highlight for us. Is it a low light? I, I'm indifferent about it. Okay. But I think because of, so if we think about, okay, when I was reintroduced to it, I was hearing it played live. So. Yeah. That's a different. You were saying that, that there's a band. That, yeah, that there's named a themselves yeah there's too. a band down in Richmond right. called Chicken Grease. Yeah. Um, but it's just very like that's that's what you want to hear when you're setting yeah. up tables and you're yeah. taking people's money to you know cover for whatever. So yeah. clean the house, but it's not you know I could skip it. But it's I don't wild. I don't like hate it. But it's I, wild because you know. I've read I've read like different you know reviews and stuff of the album and and like a lot of people really like Chicken Grease. Yeah. So I think I'm missing something. But it seems like all three of us are missing whatever it is. I like the song. I don't like. I I really dislike the sequencing of okay like, coming coming after the line, then coming after mm -hmm. sending on, and then Chicken Grease. I'm like yeah. Like it's, if you're gonna give me the whole. Bonics, at least make your song interesting <laughs> right. and this song isn't very interesting and the okay. fact that d'angelo wrote this song for like water for chocolate mm -hmm. and then wanted to get it back i'm like this is a song you're fighting <laughs> to get back like that doesn't make any sense and like i said i actually dig it 
as a sound bed groove. Mm. So if this is something that was like kind of like continuous going throughout the album, like transitioning in between tracks, yeah. I would really dig it. Yeah. But to yeah. give me a song that is, how long is it? Uh, it's four like minutes four and 30 seconds. Yeah. But still yeah. like, you give him mumbling about nothing. Every once in a while you hear him say, please the chicken grease. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of needless. I would also say that, that it is is jarring mm. to come after Send It On and mm. then right before One More Again. So yeah. with the with the chicken grease thing, and I, I I actually just read about this, but apparently chicken grease is uh it was was a, a coin from from Prince, mm -hmm. and yep. supposedly it's like it's like a way that you play your guitar where it looks like you are you are removing chicken grease from your from your fingers, hmm. mm. and so it's like I don't I don't know I don't play guitar so I don't know but but I think that's what the what the concept of chicken grease is. Interesting. This yeah. it seems like it's more of a musician like a musician's track. Like yeah, if you play if you play an instrument like yeah. you, like by default you have to like this song. <laughs> right. So now we're gonna get into one more game, and I'm just gonna this is where my run starts. Yeah. Likewise. This is where my run starts. I love, I love this. Is, this is, you know, after Devil's Pie, this yeah. is my this is my highlight. And and, and it's it's interesting that it's it's in the middle. It's dead in the middle because yeah. this is the song that made me engage with this album. Yes. So um yes. and it was it was accidental. So um, you know, in the in the days of, of iPods, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I had my iPod and I had my music on it. And and typically I would just, you know, listen to Devil's Pie and listen mm -hmm. to Untitled and keep it moving. Um and so one day I had my iPod on shuffle. I would have like the, the albums that I like and I, and sometimes I just ride around and I would just have it on shuffle and you know, stuff, random stuff would pop up. One more again came on mm -hmm. one time when I was in my car. You're like, what is and this? And I was like, what the fuck is, is this? this? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay. If that's what this D'Angelo album is doing, yeah. I need to go back and listen to this whole album because this is great. It's the intro of the song. Is what he's saying in the mm -hmm. song. It's the the change, the changes in the yeah, song. Like yeah. it's so beautifully, like just created. But then also now, you know, in my older age, I'm not one for a spin the block type of moment when it comes <laughs> to relationships. Like yeah. once it's sailed, it's sailed. But if if you go, if you gonna come back. You got to come back with the energy of one more again, okay? Where I'm like, I know you ain't shit, but I like how you talking to me. I get it. Yeah, we did have some good times. You right. Yeah. There was that one time. Okay, I guess. It's just, it, it just sounds, it feels and it sounds really good. Yeah. I, I do remember this is one of the few songs I actually connected with back in the day. Okay. Um, Because I remember my brother was like, he really liked the line, obviously. And we mm -hmm. obviously like Devil's Pie and everything like that. But like, this is one of the songs that like when he wasn't playing Untitled, he was playing like one more game. He's like, yo, like check out the song. Like it's really dope. Yeah. And and where I like this song, like even now, like let's say I had never heard this album before and this song were to pop up in my in my Discover playlist, right? Mm -hmm. Like this beat is what I'd like to describe. And this is just for me personally, it's my own personal term. Okay. It's like a dangerous beat, right? It's like it's like mm -hmm. foreboding. Mm -hmm. It's like it's just like there's there's something going on. This is like oh, you you have to watch it or, or it's gonna come get you. And it's not it doesn't mean it's like it's, it's not it's not horror. It's just like yo, it's like it's dangerous. Like there's a real real like deep subject matter there, and it's just it's deep. There's a lot of things going on. Um, but I think musically the way it patches up matches up with with the vocals, the fact that he does his debonics, mm -hmm. but like you can you can get a, enough words that you can kind of like piece everything else together. You're like oh, right. I see what you're talking about here. Right, like exactly. it's just it's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. this is this is this is where my run starts. Like why? Yeah. One yeah. more again. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm here for I'm here for all of it. Yeah. So uh, then it goes into the roots. <sighs> Man. 
this is just such a beautiful piece of music. It is. Yeah, it is. And when Russell Elevato did his, uh, when he did a sit-down interview with, with Red Bull Music Academy, this is one mm-hmm. of the songs that, that they had to stop and play. Um, I forgot why they went into it, but there's something there's something significant about the song musically that yeah. I'm not going to understand, but other musicians can understand it. But yeah. um, just the way they engineer this track as well, mm. I just I just wish that I I wish I didn't have to read the lyrics to understand what he's saying yeah, because I do think the lyrics are very very strong. So what is he talking about? The root. My understanding of the root <laughs> is that he's talking about how like when someone and maybe I'm wrong. How's are you you more familiar with this? Yeah, no, go ahead. No, uh, my okay. understanding is that like when someone has such like a profound effect on you mm-hmm. that they they it's not like uh it's not like surface level. It's mm-hmm. like the it's rooted in there and you mm-hmm. like you have to like to the point where like you would have to like pull it out. It's almost but like you an can't. obsession. Mm-hmm. Like you're so you're so into it, so connected to somebody. Yeah. Oh, wow. They have a hold on you basically. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting also because of the double entendre of the root, right? Yes. Root as, as like voodoo. Yeah. So I just assumed that it was called the root because exactly. the album's called voodoo, right? Exactly. So when it's I'm, like they have voodoo over you mm-hmm. type of thing. When, yeah. when yeah. That's, 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 a, that's a perfect call. And so when mm. I'm listening to the track, like I'm like, oh, the root, like, of course a song like this would be like the root. Right. And then I'm listening to the lyrics, I'm looking at the lyrics and I'm like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Oh. Yeah. The lyrics are oh. just, they're just so beautiful. And like, in terms of storytelling, and for, I mean, Debonics and all. <laughs> Maybe that is a low light. I know I said. <laughs> <laughs> but not that thick about it. I was like, what are you saying, my nigga? <laughs> yeah, but you could feel it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? And I, I think it's just beautiful for a man to be able to articulate. Yes. You know, yeah, how, how he feels, like how somebody has impacted him mm-hmm. and being vulnerable and being able to like put it on a track i think that's what's really dope about this song yeah Yeah, so that's my you know that kind of goes back to my only overarching low light the debonics but specifically with this track Mm -hmm. i just i really wish i didn't have to read the lyrics yeah to understand what he was saying that's it but uh, but i mean but like musically though i mean this is this is the one where charlie hunter you know goes off Mm. with with the with the bass and guitar like well this and the next one yeah oh yeah yeah so I mean, let's just get into a Spanish joint. I love it. Anytime. This is a highlight for me too. This, yeah. this is also oh, my absolutely. run. This is a run. Yeah. Yeah. This is my run. Yeah. But it's also it feels very grown, right? Like okay. the way the instrumentation of it, it feels very grown. It feels mm-hmm. um, like even when I think when I hear the Spanish joint, I automatically I hear it and I yeah, have to. Yeah, it's going crazy. You gotta move with it. It's just a. It's for, a dope track. For, for some reason, uh, you know, every time I hear this song, it reminds me of. Back in the day when, you know, we used to gallivant off to all these random places. I was in Puerto Rico um, and we, you know, we we meet, meet these young ladies. There's Spanish music playing mm-hmm. out into this courtyard. It's just got like, you know, cobblestone streets in the middle of, of old San Juan. And these girls come up and they just start dancing with us. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my man's is a proficient salsa earth i am not however my man's is going off he's going in he's swinging shorty around he's dipping her oh i'm like oh my god this is crazy every time i hear this song it just takes me it transports me to that memory but mm-hmm. i love this song man it's so good this i this is a song that to me like it's it literally feels alive mm-hmm. like you can feel the live recording of it and a lot yeah. of these songs were, were recorded live when we tape but like this one yeah. literally like you can feel the song breathing yeah you know what i mean um this is also what we're listening to is actually is also the first take 
Oh wow. Yes. Oh. They did three takes on this track. Okay. And they they were they were kind of like vibing around for like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to get the arrangement right and then boom they recorded it and what we hear is the very first take yeah. this is the song that has Charlie Hunter yep. who's playing bass and guitar simultaneously mm. um, there is a bonus episode at some point that you all will hear when this feature with Haas um, we didn't release it but we will probably release it sometime in the future uh, but we talk about this guy Charlie Hunter and he's yeah. playing an eight string exactly. bass guitar combo where right. uh, the top three strings are bass and the bottom five are guitar okay. and he's playing both simultaneously and russell was like <laughs> i'd never seen it before i didn't know it was possible <laughs> haas is in the studio shaking her head like yeah. is this make sense nah, that insane. sounds insane right i'm just like even with the bass i'm like <laughs> and then roy hargrove with these horns which yeah is oh. i mean it's oh. just oh man i, I it, it makes you, whether you can or can't dance, just want to get up and dance. Like, it's, it just makes you want to move. But I'm also yeah. thinking about the studio experience of, like, these the individual parts being laid down. And mm-hmm. it's just like, ah, uh, I, I wish there was, like, footage of, of musicians kind of, like, getting their lives while they're doing this. Yeah. Well, yeah, th- this this is one of those where, like, like... If we're if we're talking about these tracks where D'Angelo is playing like all the different instruments, right? Like mm-hmm. he, it's obviously not done in one take. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to record multiple tracks. Like no, this is one where the whole band is there and they're just playing it and mm-hmm. boom, and they record it and that's what we got. Like that's. But I think I think that's how this whole album was done. They they not a, not but but if D'Angelo is playing more than one instrument on the song, how can you do that? Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, but I think I think it was more of like a so they. They're they're gigging, they're jamming, and then they're like, keep that, right? So they they track that whole thing, yeah. and then he comes back and he says, oh, maybe I should play a Fender Rhodes here, or maybe I should add something like on top of it. My understanding is that's not what happened on Spanish Joint. Spanish Joint literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying that the 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 concept of you. like it, it being like a jam session yeah, yeah, is kind of yeah, how yeah, they yeah. they yeah, like yeah. came up with all the songs. Do we have uh, any other thoughts about uh, Spanish Joint? Well, the live congas from uh, Giovanni Hidalgo. Okay, take 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 it a long way. I I, I really love that. Yeah, the, yeah. This is definitely this is definitely production. a winner for me. Um, and this is a song. You know what? I I, w- I will say that I think this is the song that actually pulled me back into the album. So what I mean is, what I mean is, you know, back when I first listened to it. Um, Obviously, Devil's Pie and Left and Right were there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Untitled had the video, so I recognized it, but I didn't actually love that song. Oh, I think God. the song that I liked I back it. in the day was One More Again, right? Okay. But Spanish Joint, when I went to go back and like listen to a lot of these like late 90s R&B, funk, soul, psychedelic records, that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to call them instead of using that other term. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish Joint, I think, is the one that actually was like, oh, like that, that, connected with me like more so more so than the root mm-hmm. right that song really connected with me because at the time i'm listening to like a lot of african music a lot of brazilian music a lot of salsa right. a lot of different things like that and i was right. like oh wait a minute hold on okay i think I, i'm think i'm starting to understand it right and that that kind of like opened up the door for me to then like accept everything else mm. right um so that's that's another reason why you know this song is just like it's very it's very crucial and very critical to me okay but uh but yeah so this this three track run and the other the songs that come after were are also very good mm. but specifically one more again the root in spanish joint i mean like that's just 
Chef so, so feel like making love isn't in your run? It, it it is, but not the same way those three okay. songs are. Okay, right? Like I'm not gonna I'm not going to if I just wanted to put this track in and skip to one more again, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can skip to the root and do that. I can skip to the Spanish joint and do that. Gotcha. I'm not gonna just skip to I feel like making love. Oh. Okay. Ha- when it comes after Spanish joint and it transitions, like I'm good. It's still mm. in my it's still in my groove, it's still in my vibe. Yeah. yeah. But it's not like it's not a song like these three tracks I could put just on a playlist and just play them randomly. I'm not mm. gonna do that where it would feel like it's not love. like in your starting lineup. Basically. No, it's it's not. And especially, you know, feel like making love, you know, it's a cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard multiple different versions of it. There's right. other versions of the song I, I kind of enjoy more. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. So that's you know, but I mean we're talking about it. How how is it for you? I was gonna say I, I like the D'Angelo cover. Mm-hmm. And and he does a good at cover. this point he's he done a couple right. to the point where I'm not gonna say he makes it his own. Yeah. But I think it's yeah. a great reintroduction if somebody doesn't know about the original to be like, yeah. ooh, this, this feels good. I mean, good. if you can do cruising, yeah, then I respect your your covers. Yeah. <laughs> so so okay, I need to respond to both points because these are both both great points. Okay. Uh-huh. I I agree with you that he doesn't really make this song his own. Mm-hmm. I think had he done that, mm-hmm. I think I might have appreciated the song even more. Mm-hmm. Now cruising, it's interesting because he he both doesn't make the song his own and he makes the song his own at the same time like cruising is an amazing cover because he he really takes the same structure of the song and he kind of adds to it but like if you're not careful like if if you're ignorant of both songs Mm -hmm. you might actually like confuse it like you might not you Mm -hmm. might not recognize that it's actually a cover um, how he gets yeah. how he gets his voice to sound like Smokey also is like holy shit. There Smokey, are Smokey's not there on the track. Are maybe five covers that like of songs that I absolutely love and think are the greatest song of all time. Yeah, and and, and I and I can respect the other one. Yeah, and cruising is one of them. Cruising is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's absolutely it's it's so because he. So, some covers I love because they completely rearrange it. No, that's not what cruising is. Yeah. Right, but he just does such a good job. Of, of covering it that you, you kind of have to respect it yeah uh, like i i think he takes the original keeps the original yeah. and still kind of makes the original sound better yeah. i don't really necessarily get the sense here only because i have heard other covers mm-hmm. that that i that i enjoy more because because i love cruising right like the original with Smokey, yeah. but yeah. like i never listened to that song and was like man this dude's cool like he yeah. made cruising like cool. That's like I was fair. like, I was like, yeah. man, this this nigga's cool as shit. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? I mean, just the swing on it and just the way it's laid back and the way he mm-hmm. sings on it, he almost just makes it his own situation, man. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but but this one this one is is definitely not on that level. It's not on it's that not, level. It's, dope. it's not yeah. on that level. Um, so it's a good song. I like yeah. it. It's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's it's on the trail yeah. and uh, well, it's it helps sustain a run. If sure, you will. sure. Sustain it. Um, but it's like. It, it it sustains it like it's it's on a decline, but like it's on a like a good decline. It's not like a sharp mm-hmm. like we're not like falling off a hill hill uh-huh. here. We're just mm-hmm. kind of like going into like a landing cruising position, if you will. <laughs> cruising, <laughs> got yeah. it. So, um, but yeah, so that's that's you know if you like making love. Um, what's it? How do we name it? Great day, great, in, great the day in the morning. Morning slash booty. booty. This is uh this is a highlight for me. It's a highlight for me too, but you know what? The huh. way that this the track is written is essentially how he sings. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. I, I think that's the perfect way to kind of like everything feels like a run on. 
and that that yeah, I think. So, it, so it, what it, you're saying is the way music soul child writes yes, things is how, how D'Angelo sings. sings. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if in case you guys don't have the the the, line, the liner notes in front of you while you're listening to this podcast, uh, all the, there's, there's no spaces in right. the words. Right. Um, it's, so. it's just great day in the morning, but all as one word. It's like a mumble, jumble mumble. This yeah. this to me is actually the most quote unquote neo soul sounding song on the mm. album for me. Um, this is a this is a song that I feel like could have could have been on any of those neo soul projects. I, I and that um, might be why I I, it was not a highlight for me. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. But now that you say that. It's kind of interesting that it's on this album because that's not it's not a neo soul no. album. Right. Yeah. yeah, that might be why it's not a highlight for me cuz cuz like you said like I feel like I could get this song from many of them. That's probably fair. Yeah. That's probably fair. And and it's interesting cuz I was um I was reading the a dude that wrote about this and he 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 said this particular song was, you know, the his song that he woke up to every morning in college or something like that. Like, like he really really loves the song. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy cuz it's like on an album like this, it's just wild to me that this is the song that you pick. I mean, it does say "morning" on it, but you, you know what I, know. I what I really like about this song <laughs> is that first of all, um, I do like I do like the groove. Um, I do like the baseline of it. This song actually kind of reminds me the most of Brown Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I love that album, Brown Sugar. Brown Sugar it. is a brown, m- brown, neo soul yeah. sounding album. Yeah. Not, not like this. Yeah. He, there's there's no debonics on here, despite mm. despite the fact that the title is written in debonics. <laughs> there's no actual debonics in in his delivery. Okay, right. Um, and so you have a very like like I said, it is a kind of quote unquote neo soul without making like a mockery or like. Without making like a caricature of neo soul, which right, is like right. what a lot of neo soul yeah. music does, um, but it, it really kind of ties me back to the D'Angelo that that I knew and loved. Now I think at the time, my brother might have skipped this song, so this song didn't yeah. even connect with me like back in the day because I don't even think I heard it. Yeah. Um, I think he was probably skipping from you know uh, Spanish joint to 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 to, to Untitled. That's right. probably what he did. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's a highlight highlight just for me personally. I don't think it's one of the best songs on the album, but it's just a song that I'm like, nah, like this is I don't know, it just it brings all together for me yeah i think the construction of this song probably seems like the most straightforward like you have your you know your verses and your hooks yeah but the hook, like yeah. that's something that people can kind of like mm-hmm. he actually wants you to sing this song with yeah. him whereas <laughs> everything else he's like i mean guess it i feel like angie was like look bro I, i'm not understanding what you just let let me let me <laughs> by the end of the album yeah right? she's like let me let me let me give you some song structure here bro Oh, she is on this. Oh, that yeah, makes sense. She's one of the writers. That yeah, makes sense. I mean, but then going back to like the, I guess the storytelling and what he's saying in the song, I guess I could see how, you know, your friend might have been like, this is motivational for me <laughs> every morning. Um, it, it just feels like he's talking to himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. Like, I, yeah. I wouldn't like run to it, but I, I'll let it like hang. It can, yeah, it can hang with me. Yeah, yeah. So now we get into the, the main one. Untitled. How does it feel? Do we need and, a fan in here? And, and, mice? Yeah. Haas had to sit back. She she, 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 she trying to, water. She's trying to cool, cool down. I'm cool, I'm you cool. sure? And I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, is this a highlight for everybody? Fuck yeah, this is a highlight for me. I, and I had to say it that way. I just need a moment. You need a moment? <laughs> because I'm like, I, I genuinely am fla- I'm flashing back to the visuals. But beyond that, this song is just so dope. It's like, so good. 
It's so good. And I, you know, this is the, the it just makes me think about how immature I and my friends were <laughs> to like gross. when I actually engaged with the song, I was like, this song is amazing. Like, yeah. I, why did I? But then but then when I hear D'Angelo and Questlove talk about the song, mm -hmm. they, they also talk about how everybody, all they cared about was the video and it overshadowed the actual artistry. So maybe I'm not the only one that was an idiot, but. So in terms of, so like, I know we were saying before, Left and Right was probably on there for like a commercial appeal. Mm -hmm. I think Untitled was like the perfect song for that. I mean, yeah. but it is the Catch-22 because I can see how the visual could be distracting, but it also, <laughs> It could be a gateway for somebody, you and know, if they didn't really know too much about D'Angelo, you know, works. to check it out. I will say, I mean, and this is the last thing I'm gonna say about the video. I was. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna talk. Oh, I have a bunch of things. Oh, to say I was about gonna the say video. I probably Outlaw was one of like, many who Outlaw like holding the microphone stand, like who like tried to like peek singing. over. You know, like I know you can't see in the TV, but I was definitely like, what is what? Yo, that's yeah. hilarious because I remember I forget who I was watching it with, but the girl kept. She kept trying to trying to move the aspect it's ratio down so she could so she could see over the. But that's so. that's like as a creative, whoever uh -huh. I, I don't know who directed, and I should have looked it up. But to come up with that idea, like it's the perfect tease. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. D'Angelo is a beautiful man. I mean, he you know he was he's in the I, gym at this time. He was right. in the gym. Yeah. You know the straight backs before Trey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he was very had the, much had the, had the rugged cornrows, but listen, like they were so fresh at the we same time. We weren't upset. You know what I'm saying? He had to. It was just. It was just. I just need a moment. So the video was directed by Paul Hunter and Dominique Trenier. Okay. And I think if I remember correctly, Dominique Trenier was also like. She was she was like a manager or something in, in terms okay. of the label stuff, and she was she was talking about like kind of how why they put the shot together that way and yeah. everything, and she said they chose the song and like the approach because she said I as a woman can't think of anything I would want more than like a sexy and sensitive man mm. to sing to me like you know. You know, whatever you want, I'm a, I'm gonna give How's you all of your desires. And How it, does it feel? You know what I'm saying? It, it, to me, you know, it has that prince-like essence, yeah, like that allure, sure. like that kind of like what's what's happening. Like I'm being glamoured. As it's I'm funny that you this. say that because Raphael is, Sadiq said that this song was created as a tribute to Prince. Yo, oh, half nice. half of the album is. Yeah. But uh, apparently, this is a reference to this is like a tribute to prince's like controversy era mm -hmm. i don't really know how ah, okay but huh. like listening to quest and i'll talk about this album mm -hmm. half of this he he mentions prince so much when talking about this album this song mm -hmm. in particular and the next which we'll i told into. you they said when they started every session yes, Jay and Diller they said prince. prince said do we want to go which muse do we want to go for Jay Diller or prince? that's so and, dope and this is something yeah. that at the time i wouldn't would not have understood that now that yeah. I'm um, more versed in Prince and I'm not a Prince expert, but I'm definitely more versed in Prince. I'm like, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like these weren't these weren't necessarily like the Prince hits. Yeah. These were like yeah. the Prince, like like deep cuts on the album that like real Prince fans like really fuck with. Yeah. Like yeah. it's that era Prince. Right. Yeah. The the thing about the, this video, though. Mm -hmm. um, so Kanye West once interrupted a was it? Video award a speech or grand yeah, yeah, like VMA or something. The VMAs, yeah. yeah. You know, to say that Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time, right? Mm -hmm. And like single ladies, it's a good video. But to be honest, real talk, this this is like this is easily top five videos of all time. Easy. Oh. Easy. Hmm. Interesting. And I say this as a man. Huh. Right? This video is fucking incredible. Yeah. 
like if you think about if you think about the simplicity so first of all like let's actually break down the video right yeah the whole the whole <laughs> backdrop the whole okay. backdrop is black yeah yep. right so and then you have your light perfectly situated on mm -hmm. on the black man now so mm -hmm. to have to have the black man in front of a black screen because takes a certain amount of lighting right get that yeah. to work right That's true. so they That's get true. that to work right and they manage to like it's very fucking intimate right yeah, yeah. like i'm exactly. sure all right, this is me guessing here. Uh -oh. But I'm guessing that on the opposite end of the, the sex spectrum or uh, the situation, that like the intimacy that is involved in that video. I, I don't I don't know what that feels like for a woman. I don't, mm -hmm. obviously, right? But like that is a very, very intimate video. Right. At a time when black musicians are across the board for the most part, you know, sexualizing and objectifying black women. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not judging that. I'm not judging that because sex sells and this and the other, whatever. Right. I get it, right? But like to objectify a black man in that way, and not just a black. Do you feel man. like it's objective? Oh, it is. It, no, but no, but this is this is not a knock. Okay, this is not this is this is this is not a knock at all. I'm not. When, I'm gonna let you finish. I, I know the word objectifying might be might be triggering. I don't okay. mean it in that sense. Yeah. Right. And so when you have to to objectify a black man in this way. Um, but not just for for his body. He's also mm. a musical genius. He's a yeah. very, very mm -hmm. talented artist, right? Mm -hmm. And he's fucking singing his ass off, mm -hmm. right? Like he's really, really, and like the video captures that. This is not just like a lip sync moment. Like you mm -hmm. really feel him emoting, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then the other thing too, I'm not gonna lie. Even at the time I'm watching this video and I'm transfixed with the same reasons you brought up <laughs> earlier. Oh. I'm like, how low? Are they gonna go? <laughs> really? Because they go as low as you possibly yeah. can. And he he wasn't naked. He was actually he yeah he had on. He was wearing pajama bottoms. Yeah. But there is yeah. not. But a, there is a. Yeah, you yeah. Did, they, yeah, they. There is not a human being on in 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 who grew up in the United States of America who had access to a TV who has not seen yeah. clips of this. Yeah, that video. Right. Was, was like it's yeah. fucking everywhere, and it's yeah. so simplistic. Yeah. But yet, like, you it's can amazing. look at it from so many different angles, right? Yeah. You can look at it from, from a lighting and a contrast perspective. Yeah. You can look at it from the objectification perspective. You can look at it from, like, listen to the song or look at this man expressing stuff like he feels this shit yeah. and then and then and then and then if we're gonna talk about like the fact that like he's half naked like he's even looking down at like mm -hmm. what's he looking down at <laughs> like what yo this song is fucking incredible That's funny. Yeah. I think real it, talk i think it's so interesting because he is singing but everything sounds so effortless even yeah, when he's singing yeah, yeah, I agree. the lyrics are very simple it's yeah. very much like you know what it is you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying like the visuals mm -hmm. and it is as, as far as like capturing black skin on camera oh, yeah. lighting you have Perfect. to be very intentional about yeah. that so i do like, agree it is yeah this is it, it was a long time before they captured it right insecure finally got it right yeah, it, took yeah, them, yeah. it took them 20 years to get it right mm. now as far i think it's interesting i still don't necessarily think that it's objectification it's, but and i know i know yeah, i know you don't yeah, mean it from a negative yeah, space yeah. but I, I there's definitely an appreciation yeah for nice. the form and yeah. it does feel like he is, he, well, I was too young, but he was talking, you know, like we were the, so the somewhere, audience, yeah, you know what I mean? And it was, and it was, if you think about the context of like how other music videos are, like we're kind of like, we're talked about, yeah. you know, you know, in, in different types of way, we might be a, a, a prop 
on this stage, but to yeah. actually be in conversation is kind so of So cool. maybe maybe objectification is not the correct term because I actually think it, it goes above and beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, you're not, I, I think the fact that it could be seen as objectifying, right? It is possible to, to, to look at this video on mute or, or to just ignore what he's talking about. She nodded. Right? I've done it. <laughs> and just ignore what he's talking about. Just like, oh, look at that black man. Look at all this sexiness for me, right? But like, mm. he's talking about something very intimate. Yeah. Right. He's talking about that, sex. And I think right? that's the reason to me why it's so genius, right? Is because, you know, to go back to D'Angelo and um, Russell Elevato mm -hmm. and, the, you know, their conversation about the current of the time, right? Um, it was, you know, it was very... Y'all are over there and we're over here. Yeah. I got my mink coat on or I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, whatever. And and it was actually one of the reasons why when DMX came out, he was so embraced, right? It's like this dude just with his shirt off, just, yeah. you know, yelling. It, it, it almost brought you into That's somebody's fair. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like they did a great job here of like bringing us into this yeah. intimate moment with, with mm -hmm. D'Angelo. And I also think in addition to how great they, they did with the lighting of his skin and everything, even just like, certain shots where they showed his smile or his jawline yeah. or his you know what i mean his like his like you know torso area like it was just it was genius yeah. in terms of like the way they captured it to make you feel like you're in an intimate moment mm -hmm. with a person mm -hmm. yeah and um yeah so i mean i you know i can't hate i was just i was just a, a, a dumb kid but when i went back and looked at it i'm like yo this is actually art i i hope that d'angelo can go back and appreciate it now more so than he could after the fact i mean like look like you're you're immortalized yeah. like this is and and it's not a bad way yeah. to be immortalized either because because all the substance behind what we're seeing also delivers yeah right this is a song that like i said um you know they're almost done with the album they're a million and a half dollars into it mm -hmm. and he goes to russell who's in the studio and he's like yo i'm recording a new song russell's like no we can't d'angelo leaves the studio he comes back he's like are you ready to do this and and guys like okay mm -hmm. puts the track down and he's like all right you're right we have to record it because he, he what he's listening to is so good like all right we're gonna go ahead and, re and record this um but yeah i mean like it's just it's a beautiful artistic moment uh it's just i'm really really glad it came together and yeah like you know this the song is just incredible so and even just the abrupt ending oh yeah masterful so but also okay i'm about to get into my artist bag just get, like get into it. the metaphor for what is presented in the video mm -hmm. and then that abrupt ending it's almost like <laughs> it's very much a tease <laughs> it's very much like you know it's very much you know creating that suspense it's perfectly executed tends yeah. across the board completely agree and i mean it's it's interesting you know when you then read about d'angelo and like how he felt like yeah. like post that you know because it, it seemed like there were kind of two schools of why he didn't like it you know number one he's like i'm this musical genius and i want you to appreciate for me mm -hmm. for my art but then he's coming on stage and people are like take your clothes off yeah. get naked negro you know what i mean yeah. and it's like yo okay these people they don't they don't care about my art so that's yeah. the one but then the second that you know Questlove talked about is like him also feeling insecure because he looked that way on purpose right like he he worked out and everything to create this specific image mm -hmm. and he didn't look like that every day and so you know Questlove talked about them trying to go on tour and like there would be dates where he would look in the mirror and be like I don't look like the video I don't yeah. want to go out there you know what I'm saying yeah, so that's, that's also interesting yeah I saw him when he returned I mean I, I 
I do understand the artist's plight to to kind of be. I think he's in his own like prison about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a moment in time. Yeah. Um, but I think this is one of those instances where you can appreciate what that was, but you absolutely mm-hmm. appreciate him for the artist that he is. Yeah. So yeah. I do hope that he, you know, has those yeah. moments where he's like, "Yo, I really, I really did seriously," because he really did, you know. And but yeah. it's interesting. I mean, I think we as artists are like that, you know. Like I. I have songs where I'll I might present an album and I have a song where I feel like I just kind of phoned it in and 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 then people are like, Oh, I love your album. This one song really spoke to me and I'm like these niggas ain't listening to my shit. Man. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel them, like I understand, you know. Yeah. So well now we're gonna get into uh unless you guys have any other thoughts, get into the last track, Africa, the outro. This is a hot eye for y'all. Absolutely. It's a highlight for me too. Um, this song feels like prayer. That's that's when I first heard it. I think I actually it's got. The drums. I think I actually I got teary eyed because yeah. what he's saying in the song, it feels like he's he's praying. It feels like he's clearly meditative. Uh, he's talking about. It's just the deepness of of what is actually being represented in it. And it's the perfect, it's almost like prayer and then like incense has to be burning because (laughs) there's a cleansing of everything, you know, just in the theme of this album, everything that he's kind of offered. And then it's like, this is how I'm closing this out. Mm -hmm. And I think it just beautifully ties everything together. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say, right? Yeah. Like, I I love I love the drums. Yeah, I love how that snare hits. Mm-hmm. Like, like just the way it sounds is is amazing. Uh, the like, I don't know what it almost Are sounds like chimes? a music a music box, oh, like a yeah. like a child's music box uh, mm-hmm. sounds in it. Like, I just love all of the sounds and everything. Um, and I feel like this is also one of the songs where through the debonics I can understand what he's, what he's trying to say. So, sure. um, but yeah, this song is a is almost a sleeper for me mm-hmm. i feel like because untitled is such a moment yeah the uh, other times that i listened to the album i kind of listened to untitled and then turned it off yes yeah, and then this time around i like sat and listened to africa and i'm like oh this is actually amazing yeah it's but, a it's yeah. another one dedicated to a song son mm-hmm. which he, they almost didn't include it because mm-hmm. he had you know he had send it on which is dedicated to his son um but this is another one dedicated to his son and you talk about the drums. Mm-hmm. These aren't Dilla drums. These mm-hmm. are Prince drums. Right, mm-hmm. right. Right. This is another one that they, uh, this is apparently one of Questlove's favorite Prince songs is I, I Wonder, Wonder you. you. Yeah. yeah. And that's where this mm-hmm. is from. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things I love about it too is that uh, it's not the only song that does this. The Root does the, the back masking, mm-hmm. right? Where they, they play the guitar and they, they, they flip it backwards. Yeah. Oh. Which to me is like the first group to really do that well was, was the Beatles. Right, so that mm. that weird like kind of like distorted guitar, like that's mm. all it is. Yeah. It's a backwards guitar, mm. but they they included on this track. I think it's yeah. also on the root as well. It might even be on another song, but um, but I dig that mm-hmm. right. Um, and it works for me, and yeah, it's a very very good soft subtle outro yeah. to the album. Yeah. Ties everything well together perfectly. Mm. Africa voodoo, yeah, yeah it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful, soft bro. and subtle, but what he's saying is so potent yes it's so strong um and one thing that did stick out like when i first heard it like again you can't hear all of them can't hear all of the lines (laughs) but i remember the first time i heard like the blood of god is my defense Mm. you know it's like 
it kind of like resonates yeah. and it's like wait what is he talking about yeah um yeah. and then just kind of like allowing that's interesting that yeah. you say that because it's it's also something that i don't notice but when you listen to d'angelo songs like you're saying, like he kind of does the debonics thing and then he'll have one or two lines that kind of pull you back in. So it's mm-hmm. like you're listening and it's almost becoming background music and then he'll say something and you'd be like, oh shit. And then uh, now I need to pay attention, right? Because yeah. I because yeah. I got those words. Yeah. And then if you think of the contrast, you literally just got your, your you know, got some playtime with Untitled. <laughs> and then and then you kind of like... I never thought about that. It's almost like repentant. It's like, all right. <laughs> and we're not, we not talking about that right now. We got yeah. focused. We got focused on our ancestors. <laughs> it's like, wait, what just happened? Well, you have ancestors because of Untitled. I mean, hey, you know? fair. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, the, w- one other thing I wanted to say was, and I've said this on plenty of episodes, but like, I love albums that are a perfect circle. Yeah. And I like yeah. how at the end, he, they they like kind of rewind all the tracks backwards. You, you notice that? Like, yeah, it, and, yeah. and then it takes you back to play a player. Yeah. So then you can go back and you can listen to play a player and listen to the whole album all over again. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah this a is a nice detail. This is definitely an album. With the exception of that one little run um, that I had no problem just putting on repeat. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, yeah, I just... I wish I did something different with Chicken Grease. Yeah. But yeah. The only other thing I'll say, uh, and I probably should have included this when we did overarching highlights. I forgot about it. But, mm-hmm. um, yo, the album art is kind of dope. Yeah. Even though I didn't I didn't buy the album. Um, I mean, if you look at that, like, that, like that cover, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, that's an homage, obviously, to the video, him with the shirt off. And mm-hmm. then, like, the, the voodoo text mm-hmm. and, and, and the way that we're, I mean, yeah. How's you, you're a graphic designer, you're a graphic artist. Yeah. You know? yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. Because y'all are the visual artists here. I don't know nothing about Listen, this. Listen, I mean, the, the texture of it, I love um, typography that uses um, handwriting as texture. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a cool signature. Yeah. Um, this image, I mean, he's clearly posing, but it looks like he's in between shots, kind mm-hmm. of, like, if you look at it. Like he's leaning forward or something. Yeah. Um, and then it just, it's like the perfect visual execution or, or expression of, you know, you have voodoo in this font, which is you know slightly hard to read but then you know the the juxtaposition with the other fonts it's just a good combination yeah um of of hidden meaning but then also like things that are kind of clear so you let you see what you need to see but then also there it feels like there's layering even though if you pull back it looks very simple yeah mm. so but yeah dope uh dope album dope album art dope artist Agreed. for sure yeah good experience too i'm glad that i'm glad that we did this do you guys have any other any other thoughts about this album I'm just glad that we did this because um, I need to listen to this album more. Yeah. Like it reminded yeah. me that I need to listen to this album more, and it's 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 such a great piece of music like that you could use for many different things. Like you can have it on the background while you're cleaning. Yep. You can have it on when you have a, a young lady with you as a, mm-hmm. as a man. Like you know, it's just there's just so many uses for it. It's just a beautiful piece of, of music. So. Yeah, I think I think one of you stated before this is like the album that you have either out on display. Or that you're playing so that people know like you oh you kind of solid with your music taste like you you got a little yeah. something going on there yeah. yeah i need to actually buy this album on on vinyl yeah. um it's not i'm not really sure if it's worth it to buy it on eh, maybe i could buy it on cd but uh yeah I, I should have this one on vinyl yeah i mean the i have seen the fold out i mean there's something about the fold out work of a cd okay. i think mm-hmm. it's i think it's worth it so here's a question for y'all mm-hmm. that i started to experience as i digested the album this time do how do y'all feel about albums by an artist but the artist is actually a band so for example like 
Sade, right? Sade mm-hmm. is a band. It's not a person. Yeah. But we know Sade do. She's not playing all those instruments. Right. You know, D'Angelo, this album is by D'Angelo. I like that the new one's called D'Angelo and the Vanguard because it's yeah. like, okay, there's more people here. Hmm. There are there are the same players across the tracks, well, no, but the I mean, album is a D'Angelo album. Hargrove little... isn't on every song. Paladino yeah. is Charlie Hunter. They're not on every song. They're on damn near every song. How do y'all feel? About I think that? maybe the difference in this case is for Voodoo, he's featuring people. It's not. I mean, it's it feels like a a collaboration on each track. Whereas you know the latter project, it feels probably like it was more intentional for. You know, yeah. to go across the board, but I, I do, I do see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. If he, if he was using the exact same band mm-hmm. throughout, then I'd be like, mm-hmm. all right, man, you can't. I think the other thing too is that I think the the album contributors also understand what it means to be an album contributor. Yeah. Mm. Right. Like the label has a deal with the artist. The artist is bringing us in to work on on his music. But, that he's but here's written. here's my question, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm not trying to I'm not trying to, you know, dispute what you're he's saying. Trying to start some shit at the end. Nah. All right. Does this album happen without Questlove? No, it does not. But not at, at the all. same time too, it's also like D'Angelo and Questlove aren't like a team. They're a team on this project. But D'Angelo is an artist who is building a discography with a label with Virgin, at least at the Man. time. Right? It's not like like you know, like I mean, Prince did the same thing, right? Um, Trent Reznor did the same thing. He just called it Nine Inch Nails. Like, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of artists who do this, yeah. and I think when you have when you have a band coming together, and the band is consistently like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, like they were consistently putting out albums together just with themselves. Yeah, right. Like that's not necessarily the case here because mm-hmm. on the next time around. D'Angelo might not be working with the same people again, but we're here to see D'Angelo. Yeah, you yeah. know. I think if it was like it's, it's a fair question. Though. I feel like mm-hmm. if it was like D'Angelo and the Roots, like if the Roots were, yeah. cons- you know, then that that would it would be important to highlight that. But it also seems like Questlove understands how he's playing in this particular project, and yeah. so that probably wasn't a priority. I wish the Soquarians weren't right. Cursed, I knew you were going to get there. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like I feel like the fact that these three albums are tied together is amazing mm-hmm. and should be should shouldn't be understated, right? Yeah, and like. Just like the, that vibe and that energy is what we're getting here, more so than neo soul or whatever you want to call it, yeah. right? Like yeah. we definitely have to do yeah. like water for chocolate soon. We do. Yeah, I, we I do. know you don't love that album as much. No, as I do, and and I've actually gone back to to re listen to it, and I still don't love it. Mm-hmm. But doing the deep dive into this album that I did, yeah. because like I said, like there's a there's a lot of study material with this album. Holy mm-hmm. shit! I think of all the albums that we've done, I can't think of another album that has this much like just background yeah. like holy shit yeah. like it's just there's everything that Russell Elevato has had to say that D'Angelo has had to say that Questlove yeah. has had to say like and it's a lot mm-hmm. um, but it made me now think more about like Water for Chocolate and now I kind of want to appreciate that more from a musical perspective mm-hmm. so don't love that album but who knows maybe maybe when I listen to it again because I've listened to it like within the year, mm. um, but now, yeah, I definitely want to go go back and revisit that. And we should we should probably have a discussion about it. So especially yeah. tying it in with uh, Mama's Gun Voodoo, right? Uh, what, 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 was Mama's Gun was that a two thousand and nineteen ninety nine? Two thousand. That was two thousand. So this yeah. came out first, and then yeah. like Water for Chocolate, and then Mama's Gun. Yep. Interesting. Okay. 
Okay. I feel I, like Mama's Gun and this feel more closely tied together than... I disagree. I don't you know. think so? I disagree. Yeah, and I think the reason why is because I think that Mama's Gun is actually more accessible than this. I think there's more mm. traditional R&B commercial things that like... Or excuse me. There's, there's more musical elements that like the... the average commercial listener mm -hmm. can connect with in Mama's Gun than mm -hmm. there is in this, right? Mm. And I think that the same goes for like Watford Chocolate. Mm. There's a lot of that album that kind of like like these open spaces, but mm -hmm. like there's like a lot of like deep concentrated things going okay. on. There's a lot of that in both this project and in like Watford Chocolate. I would have to listen to like Watford Chocolate again. Yeah. So yeah. Like I think that I think that mama's gun while it does have some of these elements to it feels almost more like like what maxwell was doing in terms of like all right we're making this really good soulful music mm -hmm. but it's also like commercially viable mm -hmm. commercially accessible and i think that d'angelo like had commercial hits mm -hmm. but the rest of this is not like a commercially yeah. accessible yeah. like this is this is a music connoisseur's album yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's how even even untitled while it was successful it it's fucking six minutes long or you know right. what i mean seven like minutes long seven almost. minutes long yeah. right it's like it's not it's not actually sequenced in a way that says i'm trying to package this and put it out mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah so um but i think that i think that like water for chocolate is the same. like like water for chocolate is a departure from what hip-hop was doing at the time for sure yeah uh, at least at least for an artist of common stature yeah. right and i would say that common had a much more elevated platform than um <laughs> why are you laughing because i have feelings about common um, go ahead but but common is an artist who had a much more elevate elevated platform than uh slum village and and jay dilla yeah. right yeah. Yeah. um so for him to because like like what most death did with black on both sides is not what common did for like water for chocolate like they are different and there's mm -hmm. a lot of there's a lot of live instrumentation on 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 black black on both sides mm -hmm. but that still sounds like that still kind of like sounds like the raucous what mm -hmm. we're doing there mm -hmm. that's Absolutely. not what you know common doesn't sound like like water for chocolate does not sound like that at all mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. so it's interesting yeah so we'll have to do a deep dive on that for sure i take it we won't have you back for, for that episode I I'll listen to it. I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think Panama wanted to talk about that. Did he? That nah, I mean, I would say I'll, def I'll defer to Panama. <laughs> okay. okay. So, yeah. So, and unless we have anything else, I think that should wrap it up. Nah, great album. Nah, I'm good. Um, yeah, definitely. Y'all, if you haven't heard it in a while, check it out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think we gave this a, as much love as we needed to. There so. it is. I agree. Thank y'all for having me. Yes, thank yeah, you for, 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 for coming talk on. About this. It's always a pleasure, huh? Yeah. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.
Fuck the slides, won't 